0: bring the word to you this morning really when i was reading in romans chapter 12 as i shared with you last week romans chapter 12 verse 2 is one of my favorite scriptures and i think this scripture is is a really it's all scriptures important but there's certain scriptures that for times and seasons in our life there's just something a little extra on it and when i i read this it just hit me man this is what's happening in our world right now this is what is happening in the church that we are in danger as followers of Jesus of being more influenced by this world and by the culture that we live in more than the word of God and more than the presence and the power of God in our lives. And we're living in some very dangerous times where even churches are adopting the world's view on some things instead of staying true to what God's word says about it. And so we're living in some very dangerous times and truth is being attacked. And we see that. And I want to read this to you. This is kind of the foundation for this whole message series. It says this in Romans chapter 12 verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. In other words, there is a way of life that this world has adopted, its belief system, its way that it sees the world and our and and life and it's it wants you to conform to the pattern of it in other words there is a there's a way of living that it wants you to follow in line with and and we have to be careful of that Paul is saying listen don't conform to the pattern of this world but here's the antithesis to not allowing yourself to be conformed to the pattern of this world he says be transformed that word transformed is literally like you're not the same person like you go from a caterpillar to a butterfly. Like you're not just changed. Like you're completely different. And for a lot of us, we've even said yes to Jesus. We've gotten saved. We know we're going to heaven, but we haven't changed the way we live a whole lot. And we wonder why we still struggle with sin. We still struggle with, you know, uh, desires that want to pull us away from God and patterns in our life, uh, bad habits and things that, ways of thinking. And it's because we've never allowed the word of God to transform, to change, and renew our minds. See, the, the Christian life isn't just about saying yes to Jesus and know that I'm going to heaven. That's absolutely a part of it. But God wants to renew, change the way we think. That's part of salvation, is repentance. Repentance simply means I'm changing the way I think about my life, and I'm aligning it with God's ways of thinking about my life and his plan for my life, surrendering to him. So Paul says, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, be changed. How we're changed is we allow God's word to change our minds, to see the world differently, to think differently about my life and here's the key because a lot of people struggle I'm sure a lot of you in the room right now you have decisions in your life do I take this job do I move here do I get married do I stay thinking, who's the right one for me do I go to college if I do which one do I go to what am I going to do with my life and, and we have all these things and, and people struggle probably the number one thing I get asked as a pastor is pastor how do I know God's will for my life well the first step is you got to get in alignment with the way God thinks And allow Him to renew your mind. It says, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, His pleasing, and His perfect will. Amen? Amen? So I'm going to kick it off today with a passage of Scripture found in John chapter 18. If you have your Bibles, you could turn there. Otherwise, you can follow along on the screens. If you're joining us online, I just want to say welcome. If you're joining us from Eureka, I love you guys immensely. I love what God is doing there. Believe in it. We're praying for you. We're behind you, Pastor Jeremy. We love you and are praying for you, believing God is doing more than we could ever ask, think, or imagine in Eureka in the Tobacco Valley. Amen? Amen. John chapter 18, starting in verse 33. Now let me set this up for you. Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he was arrested. He was brought to the, uh, the religious leaders who literally wanted him dead. They were done with him. They wanted him dead. Uh, little did they know they were falling right into the very plan of God, being used by God. And so they take him, they beat him, they spit on him, they, they bring him now to Pilate because it's Passover. They don't want his blood to be on their hands. They want the Romans to kill him. So they can be absolved of anything. And so they bring him to Pilate, and here's where the story picks up in John 18, 33. And then Pilate went back after talking with the religious leaders. He went back inside the palace, and he summoned Jesus and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus asked, I love this. <laughs> you notice that God oftentimes will answer a question by asking a question? Because he always wants to know, why are you asking me that? What's in your heart? What's in your mind? What do you think? What do you believe? He's trying to draw that out of him. And he asks him, is that your own idea, or did others talk to you about me? And Pilate replies, am I a Jew that uh, your own people and chiefs handed you over to me? What is it that you've done? And Jesus says something very interesting. He says, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. In verse 37, oh, you're a king then, Pilate says. And Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. And here it is. Here's the title of my message. Pilate, most people believe, was an agnostic. In other words, he wasn't an atheist. He didn't believe there wasn't a God. He just wasn't sure if there was a God. Or maybe that he was pantheistic. He believed that there were many gods. And so with that in mind, he says, what is the truth? What is the truth? Like, come on, man. Can we really know what's true, what's not? We don't know what's true. And with this, he went out again to the Jews, gathered there and said, I find no basis for the charge against them. It's interesting. He goes and he washes his hands and absolves himself from any guilt. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for this opportunity to know the truth that sets us free. God, I pray that you would open our hearts and minds to receive everything that you have for us today. I pray if there's anything blocking or getting in the way of us knowing the truth. I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would remove it right now in Jesus' name. I pray that you prepare the soil of our hearts and minds to receive your word which brings life. God, I pray that you would anoint me to preach your word, speak through me to the hearts of your people. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen, amen. What is truth? This is a question that I believe is being asked by a lot of us right now. I mean, think about it. You, you listen to the news. You read the newspapers. You look on social media. And even with the emergence of artificial intelligence, AI, it's like, how do we know what's real? I, you know, even on the phone, I get a phone call, you know, for like a, uh, you know, somebody trying to sell me something, or customer service. And, and the other day, and somebody, I pick up the phone, and somebody starts talking to me. And, and about 10 seconds in, I realize, oh, my gosh, this isn't even a real person. This is like a computer-generated person talking to me. And, and so, for many of us, truth is under fire. And we would think, you know, being in the church and people of God, that we would know the truth. In fact, for many people that have been following Jesus for many years, we think, man, we know the truth. And it messes us up when we see pastors and leaders and people we respect walk away from their faith and disown God and disown the truth. And, and the world is questioning, can we really know truth? Just like Pilate was asking, what is truth? Um, many years ago, after I got saved, I was around 20 years old. I, was serving, I started serving in the church right away that I was a part of. Um, the church was actually called New Covenant uh, Fellowship, New Covenant Church in Hopewell Junction, New York, upstate New York. And I became friends. Isn't that wild? Isn't God sovereign? Um, and the, the worship director and the youth pastor, he befriended me. He saw that, man, I was on fire for God, and he saw something in my life. And this is why you need to be in church, too, because people will see something in you, and they'll call it out of you. And he invited me to come be a part of the youth ministry. So I started serving in youth ministry and helping him out. And uh, that summer, we invited a youth group from Alabama to come up to New York and spend a week with us. Together, we kind of planned to do some evangelistic outreach, and, and we did that. It was, it was fun, a lot of fun and awesome. But we baked into the whole week one day that we would kind of show, you know, those south of the border Dixie people, southern people, come on, can I get my Crimson Tide Alabamans out there? Yeah. We thought we'd show them New York City. And, you know, we give them a little taste of New York City culture and everything. So we planned a whole day where we bust everybody down to New York City and took them to Broadway, you know, took all, all the sights to see the Statue of Liberty, get some real pizza, I mean, real pizza people, you know. Um, and, and we decided we'd end cap the day by going to a Yankees baseball game, which, I mean, I thought that was always a, a great idea, go Yankees. And, um, and so we did that. And we're walking around the streets of New York, and, you know, if you've ever been to New York, you know, there's, there's somebody on every block that's trying to sell you something. And the youth uh, pastors from uh, this church that came up from Alabama, a young couple, just recently had a baby, and they had been talking about, they, they, you know, don't make much money in youth ministry, and they talk about how they wanted a video camera. And now, for those of you who are under 40, you don't know what I'm talking about, but for those of us who actually used video cameras with tapes, you put tapes in there, you remember that? Um, That's back in those days, they'd weigh a ton. You'd have to put it on your shoulder and walk around with it, you know. And uh, they really wanted one of those, and so lo and behold, on one of the street corners is this guy, and he's selling this Panasonic home video camera. State of the art, the latest and greatest, I mean this thing was probably a twelve hundred dollar camera. And he told them, he said, Hey, I'll sell it to you for five hundred bucks. And they're like, What? Five hundred dollars? Man, they're talking to the that's a steal. This is like a twelve hundred dollar camera. We wanted one of these and everything. And they're like talking to each other and they're like, they only have two hundred dollars and and the guy's like come on come on come on come on he's like give me just give me 500 they're like man we can't do that that's that's out of our buddy he's like or give me 400 give me 400 they're like no we can't do it he's like all right all right listen i'll sell it to you for 300 dollars and and somebody we're all like you know we want to help them out so pe- we just start giving them money like here man just 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 buy it so they buy this panasonic video camera brand new state-of-the-art they're so excited they're like, man, we're gonna be able to take capture our family and vacation. And so they they kept around, but later they wanted to open it up to just take some video of New York City and different stuff. So they opened up the box, and lo and behold, inside is a rock. The same exact weight as the video camera covered up in newspaper. To say they were devastated was beyond like description. And we all felt so bad for them. You know, hey, here are these Alabamans. We took them to New York City, and they get duped by somebody on the street. They bought into a lie. And I think if we're not careful, for a lot of us, we do the same thing every day. We believe in things the world is trying to sell us, only to find when we start putting them into our lives that they're empty, there's no life in them, and they have no value to us. And so I want to talk to you this morning about what is the truth, because I firmly believe that the foundation for everything in our life is the truth. I love that Jesus asked him, Pilate, is that your own idea, or did you or did others talk to you about me? I think Jesus is asking us the same question this morning. Like, do you believe in me because of what you heard from me, from other people? Or is it your own idea? In other words, is it your own belief? Is it your own faith? Is it your own truth? For many of us, maybe we we don't necessarily believe in Jesus. We've struggled in our faith. We kind of believe. we got one foot in belief and one foot in the world. We've dabbled in Christianity, but we're not really sure. We have our doubts. And we don't know how to reconcile some of them. And, and the enemy has used lies from the world to pull us away, to deconstruct our faith, and to make us doubt even the very existence of God. Is this real? Can I trust God? Is, is he, does he exist? And can we find truth? And for many of us, we're getting our truth from all these different informations. And I also think that Jesus is asking us, is that your own idea? Or did you get it from another source? Because a lot of us are getting our truth from a lot of different sources. And can we really trust that it is the truth? You see, here's the quintessential question that the world wants to challenge you and me with. And that is this. Is truth relative or is it absolute? Is it subjective or is it objective? And, and we, have to, we have to unpack that because truth is under fire. Truth is being questioned. In fact, Oprah Winfrey, in the 2018 Golden Globe Awards, she would give a speech in which she would use verbiage. And you have to understand something. Words matter. Even the media, they choose their words carefully. They're twisting and changing words so subtly to make us believe in them when the deception occurs from taking truth and just twisting it a little bit. When I was studying um, theology, one of the greatest ways people get into error or get off on false doctrine or start believing lies about God, it's usually not these big far-fetched ideas that are that vastly different. They actually start with a negative truth, and then they twist them a little bit, just a little, just get a little bit of white on that lie, just enough for it to make it sound true, and look right. And for many of us, even on social media, that's exactly what we're buying into. But look, listen to what Oprah Winfrey, who is very respected in our culture, she said this in a speech at the Golden Globe Awards in 2018. She said, "Speaking now, listen to the word, verbiage. Speaking." Your truth is the most powerful tool we all have. Now, that may seem like a very innocent statement and not have much impact, but that one little word, your truth, it becomes relative because your truth might be different from my truth. In fact, for many people that are outside of our faith, they would say that we're not tolerant people, that we have a very narrow view of what is true. And in fact, a lot of people would say there is no truth. And in fact, by making that statement, it's a self-defeating statement saying that there is absolute truth. Think about it. There is no truth statement actually claims that you can believe that there's absolute truth. Because saying that there is no truth is saying that there is an absolute, that there is no truth. Now, I know that may be a little bit tricky for some of us on the brain, but just write that down and think about it. But this, is truth relative or is it absolute? See, relative truth says that I can determine my truth. Like, I can have my truth and you can have your truth. In fact, the world right now is saying, you Christians need to be more tolerant of my truth. Let me live my life. You stay in your church, you live out your truth in here, and let me live out my truth out there. And can I I just speak into that as your pastor for a moment? I think the church has a voice. I think the church has been, honestly, I think because of of what, because the lack of clarity from the pulpit and truth from the pulpit, the world has been confused, and the world, that confusion has led to chaos, and it has led to moral decay in our nation and in our culture, and I firmly believe, and this is why, this is why we need to talk about this stuff in the church. Because we need to be informed about it. We need to preach on it. We need to declare the truth because people are getting deceived. In fact, the Bible says explicitly, be aware in the end times, many will fall away. Many will be deceived. deceived." That's why I encourage you, don't take my word for it. Go home and be a Berean. Read the scripture for yourself. Make sure I'm telling you the truth. You need to do that for anybody, right? Don't just listen to something and say, yeah and amen, without thinking, is that really true? Because truth is absolute. It is not relative. It is not depending. In the, some of you might be like, well, what does that mean, Pastor Lance? What is relative truth? Relative truth is subjective. It means that truth can be, uh, it could be true in one moment, but determined on the circumstances or the situation, that truth can change depending on your circumstances and your situation, depending on whether it's relative to you or not. And so I want to give you a couple of truths about truth. No pun intended. The first one is this. Truth can be defined. I want to give you a working definition first of truth. And that is this. Truth can be defined as an absolute standard by which reality is measured. I'm going to say that again. Truth can be defined as an absolute standard by which reality is measured. You want the condensed version? Here it is. Truth is reality. Truth is what's real. How many of you have ever been lied to before? Yeah, it's kind of a trick question, right? We all have. How did that make you feel? I hate being lied to. And one of the reasons I hate being lied to is that when I believe something's true, and when I believe someone is telling me the truth, I act on it. I act on the truth. I act like this is true and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work my life around this. I'm going to believe this person. I'm going to be in relationship with a person that I'm putting my trust in because I believe their words to be true. And when I find out somebody lies to me, it's probably one of the worst feelings in the world that I believed in this and now I find out that it's a lie and it's not true. In other words, it wasn't real. You weren't being real with me. You weren't being truthful with me. You weren't being real and genuine and i don't know about you but i struggle with that and we're living in a day and age where think about everything through and i'm not knocking video games but think about everything through video games entertainment is trying to keep us in this virtual reality world where the lines get blurred between truth and reality in other words there is a real enemy that wants you to live in a fantasy land for your life and never have to engage with the reality of what is true and what is real. I remember um, my wife and I were celebrating our anniversary. It was the, during that whole weird COVID season. And we were gonna do a really big trip. It was our 21st, 25th anniversary, our silver anniversary. And we decided that we would do a small trip and we went to Phoenix, Arizona. And we got in really late at night and we called the newber to come pick us up, take us to a hotel. And, you know we're driving it's I don't know 11: 30 12 at night I'm tired but I'm striking up this conversation with our Uber driver asking him how long he's lived here you know just making small talk but trying to get to know the guy a little bit and so I asked him I said so is this your full-time job is this what you do you know for Uber? he's like, oh no this is just just one of the things that I do and I'm like, oh okay like what else do you do And he said, uh, I'm a DJ I'm like wow that's awesome like you're a DJ you're like so what club do you DJ in or whatever he's like well I don't, I I DJ online. I'm like, online? Like, how do you do that? He's like, yeah, it's this thing called Second Life, where in my second life, uh, I'm actually this famous DJ, and I go around the country and do these raves for thousands of people. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like, real people? He's like, well, you know, kind of. They're real people, but they're they're, they're second life, too. So they're, it's kind of like a fantasy thing. And I'm like, so how often do you do this? He's like, I do it every night. I do raves and everything. And I'm just thinking to myself, oh my gosh. Like, I don't even know what to say to the guy except <laughs> peace out, bro. Like, that's cool. You do you, right? I, but I'm thinking, how sad. Like, this guy is like investing his life into something that isn't reality. It's not true. It's not real. And we can laugh at that. But I wonder how many of us are living our lives based on something that isn't real. That isn't true. And so we want to know the truth. And so a couple of things, foundationally, that we need to believe about truth, and I want to help us with that. Because truth is absolute, it's exclusive, and yet it is knowable. And to deny absolute truth and its knowability is self-defeating. So here's a couple of things. I want you to jot them down and think about it. Number one is this. Truth is discovered, not invented. It's discovered. It's discovered. It's not invented. It exists independent of anyone's knowledge of it. Now, let me give you an example. So here's this rock. Now, your truth could say, I don't believe in gravity, Pastor Lance. I, I don't believe gravity exists. Well, you, you do you. You could be your own truth, God. But the reality is that a long time ago, somebody, Newton, discovered the law of gravity, which says An object will fall if if left to its own right and so you could say I could say hey do you believe that if I drop this rock it will fall and you'll say no because I don't believe in gravity that's not my truth but I guarantee you if I drop this rock it falls whether you like it or not and for many of us I mean this might be funny but the reality is as people in our culture today are saying I've got my own truth that I believe and it is not based on reality like, I could, I could believe all I want that I'm a millionaire. Yeah. When I go to my bank it'd say, okay, Mrs. Teller, I would like to withdraw my million dollars. I'm going to go have a good time. I'm sorry, Mr. Danik, you only have $500 in your account. I could say, oh, no, you're mistaken. That is not true. I'm a millionaire. Go check again. There's a million dollars in my bank account. I can guarantee you, no matter how much I believe it, the bank is not going to hand over a million dollars to me. Because it's not reality. It's not true. Truth is absolute. Truth is discovered. It's not invented. So, you know, uh, Newton didn't invent the law of gravity, he discovered it. And we can discover things too. Number two, truth is transcultural. That means that when something is true, it's true for all people, all places, at all times. There isn't a, it's true for us. You know, but it's not true for you. No, it's transcultural. Truth is transcultural. In other words, two plus two equals four. Oh, no. That's not how we do things in India. (laughs) Two plus two equals three. Sorry to, you know, correct you, Pastor Lance. No, truth is transcultural. It exists no matter what. Place, time, it is the same. And number three, truth is unchanging. Truth doesn't change. And a lot of people would say, hey, you Christians, you're believing this ancient faith that isn't relative to life in the 21st century anymore. And can I tell you something? The truth of the Bible stays the same. Our God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and will be forevermore. And the truth of the Bible is still relevant today. They just want to tell you that so you get it out of your life and you don't believe it. But there's a price to be paid for that. In fact, I want to read you about that price. In Romans chapter 1, Paul is addressing the culture in Rome, which I believe is probably the most closely related culture to here in America in the 21st century. But I not only believe that Paul was speaking into the Roman culture of that day and into the church in that day, I believe Paul was speaking prophetically to us today in the 21st century. I want to read it to you, and I want you to listen to this. The wrath of God, Romans 1, verse 18... The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people. Listen. Who suppress the what? The truth by their wickedness. Now that word in the original language, suppress, literally means to imprison. It means to beat down. It means to keep from. And you see this happening in our world right now. That that through the things of this world and the things that people are engaging in that are apart from God, they're wicked. God says they're, they're wicked, terrible things. They are suppressing, they're pushing down, they're holding back the truth from going forward, from the world knowing the truth. And yet we as the people of God have a responsibility to take that truth and bring it and use it as a beacon of light in the darkness of this world. He goes on to say this in Romans 1:19, uh, continuing on. He says that since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible, verse 20, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. Pause right there for a second. Now, on Friday, my wife and I, it was a glorious day, beautiful day. And my wife and I decided we were going to take a drive up to Glacier National Park and drive through the park, go up to going to the Sun Road and going down to St. Mary's and then coming back through it. And can I tell you that I apologize to my wife for saying wow about 50 times. <laughs> I kid you not. Every time we go around the corner, I'm like... Wow, look at that. Round another, I felt like a kid in Disneyland for the first time. Wow, look at that. Whoa, wow, look at that. I'm, like, I'm sorry, babe. I'm just like, it just was coming out of me. Because when I see the beauty and the majesty, I'm in just awe, oh, wow. God, you're amazing. And he says it right here. He says, people are without excuse to believe in me because I've taken my invisible qualities and I've put them in creation so that people are without excuse. In other words, there's no way I could wake up in the morning and take a look at those beautiful mountains and the sunrise just like I did this morning coming up over and say, there's no God. You grumpy, bro. Like, who can do that? Good for you, Mr. Grumpy Pants. So what do you believe? But I don't know how you can do it. I don't know how. Even if I wasn't a follower of Jesus, there's no way I could look at something and say, a couple of gases got together and boom, this perfection came into place. No, there is an absolute artist that is beautiful, that he has made all things beautiful. And he goes on in verse 21 to say this, and this is where it starts to get sad for the church and for the people of God. For although they knew God, now this isn't people outside the church, this is people inside the church. This is you, this is me. For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God or gave thanks to Him, but they're thinking, and see, this is the byproduct. When you start believing lies of this world over the truth of God, their thinking became futile. Futile simply means nonsense. Meaningless. Solomon would say in the book, meaningless, meaningless. meaningly. He tried every, richest man in the world, had all the gold, the glory, and the girls. And for him to say, it's all meaningless, that means something. God is saying, look, and you look at our world, look it, meaningless. How many things that we give our time to that are in the big picture of of life is meaningless, that really have an impact on eternity. And I would even challenge us as the church I think God, I I believe that God wants us to enjoy our life. I believe my wife thoroughly enjoyed driving through the park and having lunch together as we drove and looking at that beauty, listening to some great music. But I also believe that we have been commissioned by God to be the hope of the world. And unless we start taking that serious, that this faith is not just for us to enjoy our life and And have a good time. But it is to share God's love with other people. Now let me tell you. These topics are sticky. I know. They're controversial. I know. And there's people that would say I'm wrong. And all that's going to happen. Yeah, I know. But I also firmly believe that the church needs to start standing up. And speaking the truth in love. Listen. the, The world will try to keep you from that by saying you're intolerant. The church is intolerant. And if you're going to be intolerant Then you need to just let me live my life You need to let me live my truth You stay in your church I'll stay in my world I'll believe what I want to believe You believe what you want to believe And we're at peace with each other And no Listen Loving people Means speaking the truth If I have a friend And they're in sin It isn't saying And affirming their sin Saying Oh you know man We all make mistakes It's okay You do you You'll figure it out. It's okay. No, if I love the person, I'm going to say, hey, I love you. I love you enough to risk my relationship with you to say, you're not living the best life that you can in Jesus. Like there's freedom. There's healing for you, man. You can overcome this. And I'll do it with you. I'll be right there for you. I'm praying for you. I'm believing with you. But I love you enough to tell you the lifestyle you're living is not right. It's not true. It's not helping you got to speak the truth in love not hate and too much the church is just hating on people in the world listen we were once those people we were in darkness we didn't know the truth now i know the truth and i get to be a carrier of the truth but i got to learn to we got to learn to speak the truth in love that's how we're going to change the world see jesus we need to follow jesus model jesus always it says the bible says in john one that he was full of grace and truth we like the truth side get him Jesus, we're going to give them to him. we're going to tell them the truth, listen, he led with grace, he always came to them and loved them first, showed grace to him. showed mercy to him. and as they were endeared to him, he brought the truth in love, go and sin no more, like your sin got you in this position, I don't want you to do it again, Romans 1, 22, although they claimed to be wise, they became fools, think about how many foolish things are being said by some really smart people, With PhDs in Harvard talking nonsense. It's right here. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. And here it is. They exchanged the glory of an immortal God for images to look like mortal human beings, birds, animals, and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over to their sinful desires of their hearts, to sexual impurity, for the degrading of their bodies with one another. Man, this is so rampant in culture right now. But listen. Listen. Here's God's wrath. A lot of people get stuck on, oh my gosh, God's wrath. He's mad. He's poor out his wrath. Where's God's wrath? God gives you over to your own desires. He says, hey, if you want to live life apart from my truth, go for it. And then lets you deal with the consequences of a life apart from him. It's a life of pain. It's a life of suffering. And there's a latency to it. See, the Bible says that sin is pleasurable for a season. In other words, A a lot of times people walk away from their faith and the very first thing they feel is freedom. Like, I'm free. I don't have to go to church anymore. I don't have to follow the rules anymore. Well, and if you were following rules, then you missed the whole point from the beginning. And we got to preach relationship over rules because Jesus was about relationship, not rules. And the church is about relationship, not rules. But there's an elation feeling. I've, I've heard people that walk away and say, oh, I feel so free. I feel so good. Well, talk to me in about six months or a year and we'll see how good you're feeling. Because it catches up to you. You start waking up feeling a little depressed, a little sad, I'm not sure why I'm feeling this way. It's because you've wandered from the truth. Because of this, in verse 25, and they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator. So here's the question, and as we kind of come for a close, what truth do I base my life on? Because what you believe to be true is how you live your life. It's what you follow. It's what you're building your life on, whether you believe it or not. And for a lot of us, we don't really want to know the truth because if we don't know the truth, I could live my life and not feel guilty for what I'm doing, and I can do the things that I want to do, and I don't feel shame, or I don't feel guilt, or I don't feel condemnation. So a lot of us, we don't want to know the truth. And I love it. Many of you have seen the movie A Few Good Men. One of my favorite scenes is Jack Nicholson and Tom Cruise in the courtroom, right? Towards the end of the movie. It's kind of the climax of the whole thing. And he asks him, Jack Nicholson is on the witness stand. He's a general or something, or colonel, rather. And he says, Colonel, did you order the code red? And and the judge says, you don't have to answer that. He says, oh, I'll answer that defiantly. And he says, you tell me the truth. And he says, oh, man. Oh, man. Here, I'm going to try to do my best Jack Nicholson impression. He goes, Danny, you can't handle the truth. That's pretty good, right? you going to ask me, sonny boy? (laughs) You can't handle the truth. He's got that big smile, you know. But it's true for a lot of us. We can't handle the truth because the truth means and if I know it, then I'm faced with, well, what do I do with that? This is why so many people say the truth is relative, like it's my truth. It could be your truth. You guys live it out, but not mine. And I'm telling you, there is a, a truth. And here's how you know. Too many of us, we bought into the lies of this world, and, and we have pain in our lives. We've made bad decisions, bad choices. And it's because we've lived our lives according to the pattern of this world. And we haven't allowed the truth of God to renew our minds so that we know God's perfect, pleasing will is. So how do you know what's a lie? You know what's a lie by knowing what is true. Now, um, some of you remember another movie with Leonardo DiCaprio, I can't remember is on the run or something like that catch me if you can thank you my wife just she loved wives just... and in that movie he's he counter he does counterfeit money he's become rich and goes in disguises and everything until the FBI catches him finally and then they're intrigued by how he was able to do this for so long and he teaches them his tricks of the trade and it's really simple they're trying to overthink it. They're like, man, how do we figure out what's counterfeit and what's not? And he says, listen, here's a simple way. You have to hold up what's real in order to know what's a lie and what's false. And can I tell you, there is an absolute truth that when you hold it up to the lies of this world, clearly show you this is not true. John 8, 44, Jesus speaks. Because, now think about this in the world right now. There is There are lies that are trying to get you to believe in, to destroy your life. There, there is this work at force, this dark work at force in the world that Jesus clearly identified. In John chapter 8, 44, he says this, talking about the devil. He says, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was, listen to this, a murderer from the beginning, not holding... To the truth. In other words, he was an angel in heaven. He knew the truth, but he didn't hold to it. He didn't, he didn't abide in it. He didn't stay with the truth. And, and Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. He got cast to the earth. And now Jesus himself would say, He's the prince of this world. And so if he's the prince of this world, and this is who Jesus says he is, listen, he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth. Zero, zippo, nada, nothing. No truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is the liar and the father of lies. He's the father of lies. And he's trying to bring confusion into your faith and into your life and into this world. And the Bible also says that God is not the author. Here's the author of lies and of confusion and of chaos and of darkness. But God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. See, when you believe the truth, peace comes on you. But he delineates. In John 10, 10 it says, I, Jesus would say, I've come so that they may have life and have it more abundantly. But he says, the thief comes, meaning Satan, to steal, kill, and destroy. He's a murderer from the beginning. He wants to kill your faith so that he can destroy your life. And he knows that if he could just get you to believe in a couple of lies, then he's got you. Now I want to remind us that Jesus said about himself, he says, in fact, the reason I came and was born into this world in John 8, 18, 37, is the world is to testify of the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. In John fourteen six, Jesus would say, I am the way, the truth And the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And and here's kind of where I want to end today. The truth makes you free. The truth makes you free. And some of us in this room, we have bought into the lies of the enemy. I remember probably the darkest season of my Christian life. My wife and I had moved out to Montana on faith, believing on a word of God that it was true, that God had a plan for us by moving out here. We moved to this little church in Proctor. We were helping the church, doing youth ministry at the church. A couple of years go by, the church is growing. There were some new elders that came to the church. The church started changing a little bit. We started not agreeing with some of the doctrine and some of just the culture of the church. We ended up leaving that church. When we left that church, I got into a real funk in my spiritual life. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Like, this is a time that you just... You get a little disillusioned with God and why am I here? I started to ask, like, God, why did we leave everything to come out here? Only for this? Like, I thought this was the thing that you brought me out here for, and now it's not the thing. And I started listening to the lies that the enemy was trying to feed me. See, you can't trust God. He doesn't have your best interests at heart. Can I tell you, this is an age-old lie. It was the same lie that he got eve to believe into and this is why I believe that every sin has a root of a lie in it and every hopelessness has is under the influence of a lie and and I was in the season where I started believing that God wasn't good he didn't have my best interest in heart that it was all made up in my head not believe it and because of that I lost vision for my life and I just started doing whatever I wanted until it made me depressed anxious I started having anxiety attacks panic attacks trouble sleeping at night. I gained a bunch of weight and it was just like a bad season until one day I started opening up my Bible and started reading it again and God is so faithful. He started speaking to me out of his word, bringing truth into my life. And as I started reading and absorbing that truth, it started making me free. A little bit freer, a little bit freer. God started speaking to me again. I started hearing his voice clear as those lies started dissolving under the weight of scripture. And, and, And I started trusting God again, believing him for my future. And I wouldn't be here today. If the truth didn't set me free. And I believe God wants to set some of you free. The enemy has used things that have happened in your life. Abuse, trauma, accidents. Words people have said over your life. And he's jumped on it with lies of who God is and who you are and about your future. And I personally believe that if you allow God to come in with his truth, it will make you free. It'll make you free. To the Jews who believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold, if you hold on, hold on to my truth, don't give up on it. Some of you might be here this morning and you're right there. You're this close to giving up on your faith. And Jesus, I believe, would say to you, hold on, don't give up yet. Hold on to my teachings. Don't give up on it. If you hold to my teachings, truly you are my disciples. Then, then, then you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Don't give up. Hold on. So, man, I feel strongly in my spirit right now. God is speaking prophetically to some of you. You're giving up on your marriage. You're giving up on your faith. You're like this close to giving up on the church. God says, hold on. Hold on. Hold on to my truth. Last thing is this. The word of God is truth. And next week, if you come back, I'm going to help us to understand why we can trust that the Bible is the authoritative, all-Holy Spirit-inspired Word of God. This is, this is in closing the prayer that I want to pray over you as Jesus was praying for His own disciples before He left this earth. He said, John 17:16. He said, they are not of this world, even as I am not of it. And then He says this in verse 17, sanctify them By the truth. Your word is the truth. So I want to pray for us. I want to just close your eyes. Father, we thank you for your word that is truth. I pray right now for every single person here, every single person watching online. Holy Spirit, I pray the prayer of David that you would search us, oh God, and know any way in us that is not of you. Help us to discern if there's any lie that we've believed about you, about ourselves, about our families, about our marriage, about our future. There's some of you here or maybe online that you came here today and you're searching for the truth. You're not a Christian, you're not a follower of Jesus, but you're kind of checking this thing out. For some of you, maybe you walked with God for a while and your faith You walked away from it for a season and now you're trying to come back and you want to know the truth. I believe that if you'll make a decision to surrender your life and your mind and your heart to God and say, God, I want to know you. I want to know your truth. God will show up sovereignly and show you that he is real and that his truth is real. And you can make a decision today. I have a question for you that don't believe. If Christianity is true, How would it change your life? That's a decision that maybe you wrestle with. But you can make a decision today to surrender your life to Jesus. And you can mark that on the connect card on the back of your seat. And we're going to close. We have an amazing prayer team over to my left to pray for you. But I want to pray for the rest of us right now in closing. Father, I pray that you would sovereignly show us where we believed lies. I pray the truth would come alive inside of us. I pray that you would draw us to your heart, that we would experience your grace and your truth. In Jesus' name, amen.